You are listening to the Financial Clarity for Doctors podcast by Finity Group, LLC, where we discuss the pertinent financial planning topics facing physicians and other medical professionals. Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., a registered broker-dealer, member FINRA, SIPC. And now, here are your hosts, Rochelle Van. Zandon and Corey Janoff. Welcome back to Financial Clarity for Doctors, everyone. Rochelle Vanderzanden here with Corey Janoff. Hello. Today we wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about how sometimes you can get in a rough spot with your finances. I do think we spend a lot of time talking about all of the things that you can do to put yourself in a good position to reach your long-term goals. But there are absolutely times when you're in a position where it's really, really hard to even make the short term work, much less the long term. And I do think that's a lot more true when we're living on like a resident salary or a fellow salary. I feel like we don't come across that quite as often with with our attending clients. But, you know, when you're in a position where you're living on that kind of salary and maybe you have some big debt payments or maybe there's kids and, you know, you have a a spouse that's at home and a family to care for, it can be really hard to make ends meet on that level of salary. So today we wanted to spend a little bit of time just focusing on a a few strategies to hopefully make the day-to-day a little bit more doable. If you are in training, I think the most important thing to know is that it's not going to be like this forever. You're not going to just be struggling to make the day-to-day work forever. But hopefully we can, you know, just kind of strategize a little bit and make it a little bit more doable until you get to that point where you're making a little bit more income. Any other broad thoughts there, Corey? No, I think some, a lot of it's just tough it out. You know, there, there are brighter yeah. days ahead, but um, there definitely are some things you can do in, in the short term to you know, try and make things better or slow the bleeding, if you will, in, in those more dire circumstances so that, you know, the, the hole you have to dig yourself out of in practice isn't as big. So trying to keep the hole as small as possible while you're in training or whatever your circumstances are, um, yeah, that, that'll help you out in the long run, of course. Yeah, obviously. I know we don't really like to talk about budgeting too much because <laughs> budgeting's not fun. But I think that one thing that you absolutely need to do if you're in a situation where you're not making enough to, to cover your monthly expenses is just take a good hard look at them. So it doesn't necessarily mean like, oh, I'm only allowed to spend $50 a month at the coffee shop. It means taking a good hard look at, at where your money is going right now to assess what that looks like and see if you can make any changes. Um, it's, it's like, you know, what are your biggest line items? Maybe we don't focus so much on the coffee. Maybe it's more like, what is my housing cost? What what are my debt repayment obligations monthly? Um, you know, what's my childcare cost? Like that one, you probably can't change a whole lot, but it's a good idea to just know like where your money is going. Um, and some of those things you may be able to change. So. For folks that are in a situation where maybe there aren't family obligations, maybe you're, you know, a single person and you're in training, I think housing can be a big one because you don't have anyone to share that expense with sometimes. So if you are living in a more expensive place, maybe think about moving to a less expensive place when when your lease is up. And obviously you have to take into consideration all of those like 
moving costs and things like that. So it may not make it worthwhile to do that if you have to pay a lot out of pocket to get out of your current lease. Um, so that's definitely something to look at though, just take an assessment of it. And I know that this can be really hard as a grown-up, but can you bear to live with a roommate? I know there's quite a few folks in training that do. And, you know, that gives you a lot of flexibility to be able to split like one of your biggest expenses so that you just have a little bit more room in the budget to breathe and to be able to do a few other things that you want to do. So, you know, part of that is a, a matter of priorities. It may be a big priority for you to be able to live independently. And if so, great. But, you know, if you have other priorities, like making sure you stay out of credit card debt and making sure you have a little bit of extra money so you can go out to eat when you want, it can make a lot of sense to be sharing that big expense with someone else. Um, I think, you know, that's probably the biggest one. What what else are you thinking about, Corey, as far as the, the big expenses go? Um, I think the housing is probably the biggest one. And if you have children, of course, childcare is a huge one. There's only so much you can do there. It's not like you can give your kids back, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, kids are expensive. We, but, you know, there are, you know, you don't have to send them to the fanciest daycare center in the city. You could, you know, there's often some nice old lady in the neighborhood that watches a handful of kids at her house for, you know, may only cost 500 bucks a month instead of 2000 at, you know, a, a fancier spot. So, you know, wherever you can minimize expenses and yeah, the little things don't make as big of a difference as the big things. You know, we've talked about this before, but at, at, when you're in trading, when the income's limited, when the budget's tight, those little things can add up. Like you mentioned, if you're spending $50 a month on coffee, well, you know, that's $600 a year, you know, that starts to add up over the course of a four or five, six year, maybe seven year residency and fellowship period, you know, and it's not going to be just the coffee, it's other little things like the occasional drinks out with friends or, you know, occasional trip for something, vacation, you know, every little thing, sandwiches, you know, that you buy versus making a peanut butter and jelly for lunch, you know, all that stuff starts to add up and you spend a few thousand dollars a year that you could otherwise potentially avoid. And by the time you're done with training with credit card interest that's added up, you know, you're talking potentially 30, 40,000 or maybe even more in credit card debt that potentially could have been been less if, if you were living more cheaply and, and drank the coffee that's at the hospital for free and, you know, made your, your, you know, lunch ahead of time the night before. Um, you know, all this stuff's easier said than done when you're working 80 hours a week. It's hard to find any time to meal prep, but, you know, whatever you can do, again, we're talking, you know, what's in your control? What, what things can you take under your own control to really, um, you know, keep that hole from getting deeper? And, you know, those are some things It's going to be tough. It's going to be some sacrifices, but, you know, that's that's the name of the game with finances. You really have to sacrifice for what you want. You know, if there's certain things that are important to you, you know, we have to prioritize prioritize those things over other things that might be a little less important. Yeah, I think another one that you can take a look at is subscriptions. You know, if we have a lot of recurring monthly expenses, especially if you're working a whole bunch and you can't use them. You know, it might not make sense to keep paying for for more expensive things. I've had a, a handful of clients who, you know, they have their their Orange Theory gym membership, which is significantly more expensive than than some other alternatives. And and that was a big thing that they just decided to do. Like, hey, like I'm just going to switch to 24 hour fitness for now, and partially because I can't go as much as I want to anyway. 
So why am I spending this much money on this? And again, like that may be something that's really important to you. And we're not suggesting that you like cut things out that are really important to you. It's just a matter of, of taking a good look and, and trying to prioritize and, and make sure that you're making those, those decisions with all of the information in front of you and with the realization that it can have a big impact on your finances. Well, and I'll play bad cop for a minute. I mean, if you're Do spending it. on a gym membership while you're in credit card debt, I mean, shoot, YouTube has free exercise classes, you know, endless hours that you can watch. You want to do yoga? There's a million YouTube videos with yoga classes on them that you can follow along to, you know, Orange Theory. I've never done Orange Theory, but I'm sure there's Orange Theory-esque classes that you could watch on YouTube, you know, P90X, CrossFit, whatever, you know, there, there, there's plenty of stuff that you can get for free, um, you know, on the internet these days. So, you know, you can stream it and if you have internet, assuming, you know, it's probably an essential one, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, bum, bum your friend's Netflix password instead of having your own Netflix subscription yes. if the budget's tight. <laughs> Wait, we probably shouldn't say that. <laughs> I still use my brother's Netflix account. I don't use my own. <laughs> Netflix, don't come after me. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, I don't think they're listening to our podcast today. Probably but. not. <laughs> no, I mean, I think there there are lots of little things that you can do just to potentially make ends meet. Um, and I think that when you get down to it, sometimes it, it's not going to be enough, but every little bit helps. Um one thing that we were thinking about ahead of time is that sometimes your debt payments as a whole can be a big chunk of your monthly budget. And that can be student loans, especially if you have some private ones that can be credit card payments. It can be, you know, that relocation loan that you had to take out to move across the country. All of those kinds of things can add up a lot. And there are some potential ways that you can restructure that so it's a little bit more doable with your monthly cash flow, but also so maybe it's accruing less interest. And maybe like when you get to the end of training, it's it's a you know it's a smaller bucket so that you're not having to to spend so much time digging yourself out of that hole. So I think that's one thing. It is really, really important when you're, you know, we want to take account of our monthly spending, but we also want to look at our overall obligations. What are your debts? Sketch them out. It might be painful, but you should write them all down. You should know what every single one of them is. You should know exactly what the interest rates are. You should know like how the repayment's structured. Um, and you can potentially change some of those things. Some of this will be affected a little bit by your credit score. So if you have a decent credit score, there are a lot of things that you can potentially do to restructure that. If you don't, you may need to take some short-term steps in the interim just to make your credit score better. Like that's gonna be a, a big part of the strategy long-term. But I think for some things, if you are planning on doing public service loan forgiveness, obviously when that administrative forbearance for COVID is over, We'll want to do everything that we can to, to make those income driven payments because that every payment that you make right now is a payment that you don't have to pay on the back end when your income is going to be substantially higher and your payment's going to be substantially higher. So that should be a high priority, making sure you can make those income driven payments if you're working towards PSLF. If you're not and you really are going into credit card debt, because you're making your student loan payments, it might make sense to go into like a hardship forbearance or you know just call and, and talk to them and, and go into forbearance because the interest rate on your student loans is going to be less than the interest rate on your credit cards. 
So, you know, if you're not working towards PSLF, it may make sense to pause those for a bit. And I know that can be really painful. And that's a big mental hurdle for people because the student loans are such a big obligation. But again, like the credit cards are a much higher interest rate. We don't want to be going into credit card debt so you can make your student loan payments. Um, assuming there's, you know, yeah. 150% chance that you're not doing PSLF and, you, and you're okay with closing the door on that option, there are some lenders that, w- that you can refinance with while in training and they have a very small minimum payment, like a hundred bucks a month while you're in training. Or I think, I don't know if they still exist, but there are a few years ago, I know there was one that was only requiring a dollar a month minimum. Um, and you can refinance to a lower interest rate and then your, your payment will jump when you get into practice to a normal level of whatever timeline you, you signed up for. But that could be an option as well to where you can bring the interest down a little bit and rather than just uh, putting them completely in forbearance and watching them continue to rack up interest at a higher rate. Yeah. Yep, and uh, that's another one where it's going to depend a little bit on your credit score. But if you can do that, that can absolutely be a good solution. I would move slowly with re- refinancing. Just make sure it's a really good fit for you because when you refinance, there's a lot less flexibility with those loan terms. When you go into your your attending job, you're going to have a monthly payment obligation. It's going to be more like a mortgage than federal student loans are. You can't go into deferment. You can't change your payment plan. Like it is what it is. And so just make sure you're going into that with your eyes wide open and understanding all of the the consequences there. But it can definitely be a good way to help minimize that interest accruing and also minimize the impact to your cash flow. Um, and that's, that's also very similar to there's other like debt Re restructuring that you can do with personal loans and some of these same banks that allow you to refinance your student loans with a low monthly payment will also allow you to consolidate your personal debt, like your credit cards and things like that with also a low monthly payment. So that can sometimes be a good option for people. Be a little bit careful with personal loans in particular, because the interest rates on those can also be fairly high. You know, like with with student loans, you might be able to refinance for like four or five percent interest. With personal loans, it's probably going to be more like eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve percent, something like that. So potentially lower than like a credit card, but at the same time, it's it's still going to be accruing quite a bit of interest. So be careful with that one, but can be a great alternative to help lower the impact to your cash flow. A lot of times when you're doing the ones that are specifically for residents and fellows, your monthly payment obligation is only like $25 a month. So it's going to help a lot with cash flow, not a ton with debt management in general, because that interest is still accruing. Um, One other alternative that you could potentially use when you have credit card debt is using like the 0% interest rollover credit cards. So if you can qualify for a new credit card that has 0% interest, you can potentially roll over the balance on your existing credit card that is accruing interest onto that 0% interest card. A lot of times you have like origination fees on those. So watch out for that. It can be like 1.5%, 2%, 3%. So you're going to pay some upfront to be able to do that. But most of the time, it's going to be dramatically less than what you would have paid over you know a year of interest on, on the credit cards that you have already. Um, be careful with that. I feel like that gives people permission to spend a little bit. And that that's the thing that we don't want to do. We want to, to help manage this long term, but we don't want it to be like, okay, now that means 
I can spend more because I have this 0%. That, that time period will run out. You only have 15 months, maybe 18 months at the most of not accruing interest, and then they will start accruing interest again. So it's much more of a short-term Band-Aid kind of solution. It's, it's not going to be a good fix long-term. For sure. Yeah, I think that's the probably the biggest um, point of frustration with some people that I see is they get in that habit of just rolling over to a new 0% interest rate card every couple of years. And it's like a permission slip to keep spending because it's not accruing interest and it's it's not solving the problem. It's just prolonging it at a slower rate. So we really got to, you know, mentally get in that right mindset of we're attacking our debt. We want to knock it out of here. Let's get that interest lower. That'll help, So that'll help us pay it off faster. And let's not continue to add to the pile. Let's let's go after it and make that pile smaller and, and pay it down a little more aggressively. Um, mm-hmm. One that's a possibility, not for everyone, you know, especially in training, um, but if you own a home or, or if you're in practice and, and you're in this spot where you've, you've got a home and some, some personal loans or credit cards and you've got some home equity, a home equity line of credit could potentially work. Or, you know, same with student loan. Like if you have student loans at 6% and you know, mortgage, you can get at 3%. Um, you know, you're, you could trade a 6% debt for a 3% debt. Uh, if you take it out of home equity, do a cash out refinance or a home equity line of credit, you know, that's not going to be a viable option for everyone, of course. But if you do have a home with some equity in it, that could be a way to to restructure your debt um, to a smaller rate on the secured line of, of debt with the mortgage versus an unsecured line like a credit card or personal loan that's going to be higher interest. Mm-hmm. And for some people, none of this may be an option. You know, if you're in a position where you have a lot of credit card debt and your credit score is fairly low because of that, it can be really hard to qualify for a new credit card. It can be hard to qualify for a personal loan or like a new student loan. And if that's the case, like it's going to be challenging for a little bit. We always suggest that when you're in a situation like that, take good stock of what your debts are and line them up by interest rate. And what you're going to do is you just want to make the minimum payments on everything except that highest interest rate debt, which is normally going to be a credit card. Whatever that credit card is, that's where you're going to put your extra money. And you you can just chip away at it a little bit. Like if you're if you're cash flow negative, you're probably not going to be able to. But if you're in a position where you have even a little bit of extra cash flow, that's where that money goes. It goes to the highest interest rate debt. And as you chip away at your credit cards, your credit score will get a little bit better. So then maybe you get into a position where you will be able to, you know, do a personal loan or roll over a balance or something like that. Um, So there's always things that you can do to make it incrementally better. It just may not get substantially better until you have a big increase in income. That may be what it comes down to. Um, And I think for people that are in training, it's really important to acknowledge that you're not making the salary right now that you expect to make long term. This is a small portion of what you expect that cash flow to look like. So it can be super, super painful right now, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to last forever. You mentioned making more. We already talked about spending less, yeah. you know, do what you yeah. can to spend less. But another option potentially is to earn more money. You know, obviously your your salary is fixed depending on your PGY year and what hospital you're at. But if moonlighting is an option, 
um, you know, pick up some moonlighting shifts. You know, if you can bring in an extra thousand, two thousand a month from moonlighting, I mean, that's huge. You know, that'll go a long way, especially at that resident level income. Um, you know, I've I have some residents who've literally doubled their income from moonlighting pretty regularly. And now it's not an option for everyone. You know, depending on where you're at, your specialty, you may not be allowed to moonlight, but there might be other opportunities to, to pick up some, some side hustles, if you will, um, you know, uh, on your spare time, you know, whether that be, you know, answering surveys or, you know, tutoring med students or, you know, whatever, you can just Google and get some ideas, you know, there's ways to make a little bit more money here and there. Um, you know, I know it's tough. You got limited hours. Uh, the schedule's not, not always consistent, you know, but, um, but whatever you can do to try and boost your income, you know, that, that's more money that you can hurl at your debts and pay them down a little bit faster. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, you know, long story short, if you are struggling with your finances and, and you're in training, you're not the only one. There's a lot of folks that are. And I think a large part of it is dependent on like your cost of living. Like, where do you live? If you live in the Bay Area, it's probably tough. If you live in New York, it's probably tough. Um, so there's a lot of things like that that you can't necessarily control. So try to focus in on the things that you can control and know but, that. Yeah, go ahead. Say, try not to make that yeah. an excuse, though. You know, like, <laughs> Corey, bad cop. <laughs> yes. If you're, you know, if you're making seventy thousand dollars a year in san francisco or new york yeah it doesn't go very far but you can make ends meet you know we've like we've done the math and it's possible now of course there are exceptions like maybe you've got the kids in the picture um, or you're paying child support um, maybe you're helping family out you, you, you've got some some parents that that health-wise need assistance um, you know there, there's a there's a number of factors that could be potentially out of your control that that require uh, or cause your expenses to be higher than some of your peers um, but but don't make oh I'm living in a high cost of living city so that's a permission slip to rack up debt an excuse I have plenty of clients who've gone through residency and fellowship in the most expensive cities in America and they've managed to come out debt you know credit card debt free they may have student loans but they, they've kept the credit cards and personal loans out of the picture and even managed to max out a Roth IRA each year so it is possible <laughs> you just got to be somewhat disciplined with your finances. So, but we do understand it's, you know, higher cost of living does make it more challenging to make ends meet and, uh, and make headway on some of these debts than if you're in a lower cost of living area. Yeah. And if you're already in a situation where you're in that, that personal debt, it's just going to be a really, really, really high priority to get it under control, especially as you are making more income. Like, when you see that giant jump in salary and you're now making two, three, four times the amount of income that you were making before, there are no more excuses. <laughs> you know, like you you don't have to spend more at that point. You can keep spending the amount that you were and you should be able to get that debt under control very quickly. Like maybe that means the house waits. Maybe that means, you know, we we're not attacking our student loans quite as aggressively as we wanted to. Like if you're in consumer debt, you're not worried about your student loans being gone in five years. You're more worried about your short-term debt. Like, and, and we want the student loans to be a priority too, but that short-term debt is going to be taking 
like a lot more out of your net worth just because of the interest rates. So it's it's just a matter of like kind of lining things up and figuring out what to do first. And like Corey said, we do have some attendings out there, some people who are making more income that are in this kind of situation too. And that's the kind of thing where like, if that's the case, you really have to take a, a good hard look at, at what's going on with your finances. And it may be that you have to make some dramatic changes. Maybe you need to downsize, whether it's like the car or the house or whatever it is. It, it could just be that you've got to restructure things a little bit. For some folks, there's like the silver lining off in the distance, even as attendings where, you know, you think when my student loans are gone, it's going to be better. Like, you know, in, in five years, when my loans are forgiven, I'm going to be in a better spot. In five to 10 years, when I pay off my student loans, I'm going to be in a better spot. But if you already had that that switch from that resident salary to that attending salary and your lifestyle still expanded to the point where it's not manageable, that could easily happen again when your student loans are gone, where you're like, oh, my student loans are gone. So now I can do this, this, and this that I was waiting to do. So there can be these things in the offing that make things a little bit better. But at the same time, if we're continually expanding our lifestyle to like meet that new level of income or that new level of cash flow, it's not really going to help that much. You're continuing to run on that hamster wheel. Like I've had some people where, you know, they'll do one of those, you know, 0% financing furniture loans, for example, you know, and, uh, you know, once that's paid off, you know, they're just used to that payment in their life. So they go buy something else, you know, get, you know, the home improvement at 0% financing or buy another piece of furniture or, you know, take on a new car. And whenever that, that debt is that one debt payment's gone, they just replace it with another rather than pausing and just taking that freed up cash flow and compounding it onto your existing payments to pay them down faster. Um, you know, ideally we, we get rid of all the consumer debt and have that blank slate, make sure we have enough money going towards our various financial goals so that we can achieve them within a timely manner. And then we come up for air and can say, okay, now are there any other, if we have extra money in the, in the cash flow, can we, you know, take on some other, you know, things that, that would make us happier in life, you know, a nicer vacation or, or a new couch or whatever. But, uh, but yeah, try not to get caught in that habit of just replacing old debts with new debts and, and never really making any progress on your overall net worth. So be mindful of that too. Absolutely. And we can stand up here on our soapboxes all we want. And the truth is like, we don't, we don't know what's going on with you. So absolutely no judgment. Like we have no idea what your financial situation looks like. If you're ever in a situation where you feel like we really need to like talk through something with someone, we're here. You can always email us and, you know, we'd be happy to touch base with people, but sometimes you need a second look just to kind of get an idea of, of what's going on, what can we do to make this incrementally better. But I think if you haven't yet, taking a good hard look at it yourself, like with your significant other, if you have one, is a great start too. You know, just making sure you really know what the whole picture looks like. Because I do feel like sometimes people are just like, you know, here's my paycheck, here's what I'm spending. And, that, and that's all you know, like you just know how much is coming in and out. If that, you know, you might not even know exactly what that looks like. Agreed. 
So yeah, in short, I guess do what you can, control your expenses as much as you can, boost your income as much as you can, don't upgrade the lifestyle once you're in practice until the debts are under control and consumer debt is out of the picture. Track the expenses and uh, and budget as uh, 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 and have a good understanding of where every dollar is going until we we get control of these things and uh, and, and that'll just help you you know dig out of that hole and, and there's brighter days ahead. Yeah, and if you're a doctor and you're listening to this, you make more money than most of the people in this country. <laughs> you're okay. Like it's going to be okay. <laughs> Yeah, so you can make some mistakes and recover from it. You just got to make, you know, a concerted effort to, to put those dollars to good use. So Absolutely. All right, you guys. Well, thanks for listening. We would love to hear your feedback and suggestions for future topics you'd like us to cover. You can get in touch with the show by emailing podcast at thefinitygroup.com or by following Finity Group on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Finity Group LLC. You can follow me on Twitter at Corey Janoff CFP, Instagram at Corey Janoff, or on LinkedIn under my name, Corey Janoff. You can follow me on Twitter at Rochelle Finance or on Instagram, Vanderzanden Rochelle, or on LinkedIn under my name, Rochelle Vanderzanden. Check out all of the podcast episodes on thefinitygroup.com slash podcast on our Finity Group YouTube channel or your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to check out our financial clarity blog at thefinitygroup.com slash blog. Thanks for listening to this episode of Financial Clarity for Doctors by Finity Group LLC.